come at this time into God's presence. Father God, indeed you are our, ch- our channel, our only channel. You are our blessed master. We thank you, Lord, that you saved us from the wretchedness of this world and from sin in itself. Thank you that we are born again. We have been given this awesome privilege to sit in thy holy presence. Not because of what we've done or that what we could do, but simply because of grace shown to us from the cross of Calvary. And as we spend some time with thy word, I pray that each of us would sit with an attentive heart and mind. We pray that uh, no, no disturbances would be there, that as we listen, we would concentrate and at the same time ask the Lord to speak to us as to how we can better ourselves as born-again believers. We pray for all of our friends who are here for the first time. We pray that the word would be uh, a blessing to them as well. And we pray that you would speak to each and every one of us. For it is indeed in your precious name we ask and we pray. Which book have we been studying? First Corinthians. So if all of you could turn your Bibles with me to the book of First Corinthians. Because that is the book that we've been studying. It's been almost a year and a half now that... We've been looking at this book written by the great Apostle Paul. We've completed about seven chapters. The last time we studied together, we were at chapter 7. But I want to give an outline of all that we've looked at so far in the book of 1 Corinthians because I'm sure some of you are here probably for the first time and probably some of you missed the, the, the messages that we've had in between. So it's important that we come back to our basics and we try to understand what have we looked at so far, what have we learned, and and better than all that, as we come to the close of this year, what is it that we can carry forward to the following year of all that we've studied in the book of 1 Corinthians? What is it that you and I could carry forward to the next year from all that we've learned? In the book of 1 Corinthians. What is it that you and I can change in our Christian life? What is it that you and I can look forward to? And what is it that you and I have been able to change so far in our study of the book of 1 Corinthians? Now as I had mentioned, we had already finished the first seven chapters. And if you remember the last time we studied, I told you that the first six, seven chapters is like the first part of the book. It's the first part of the book. And then from 7 onwards, Apostle Paul talks about a lot of other things in relation to doctrines that is very useful and valuable for the local assembly. Now for any of us who is listening to this for the very first time, just to get an overall idea of what 1 Corinthians is talking about, if you could turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and you read verses 11, it will give you the crux of why Apostle Paul wrote this letter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11. There it says, My brothers, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. This is the crux of the first part of the book. Now, even though the word quarrel appears in your Bible, and even though the following verses talks about quarrels that are there, I want us to broaden our mind. Because Apostle Paul not only says, I've heard that there are quarrels, but we can expand it to say, I've heard that there are disputes. I've heard that there are issues. I've heard that there are sexual problems within the church. I've heard that there are, there are legalism that's happening in the church. And that's basically the reason why Apostle Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. That's what he's addressing in this book. Specifically, that's what he addresses in the first part of the book. 
Because somebody has come from the church and somebody has told me that there are problems. There are areas that you as Christians can work on. There are things that we need to resolve. There are things that we need to take care of so that you and I can become better tomorrow. And I want to pause at this moment and I want to ask all of us as an assembly the same important question. As we come to the end of this year, and it's gone by so quickly, right? Are there things that you and I that, that you and I can actually work on? Yes or no? Are there things that we could better ourselves? Are there issues that we have within our lives personally? Have these issues gone out of my own life and affected everybody else in the assembly? Has my pride come in the way? Has my ego, has my, has my selfishness, whatever it is that is there within me, are there issues within us? Are there things that you and I can resolve, change, better ourselves as we look forward to 2018, if the coming of the Lord tarries? That's the reason why Apostle Paul actually wrote this letter. And you know what? Apostle Paul, when he talks about the fact that I've heard that there are problems, that there are baggages that you carry, there are sins that needs to be dealt with, Apostle Paul talks about the unity in their perspective and their practice. Now listen very carefully. As a result of all that I've heard that I write to you right now in 1 Corinthians, he wants them to be united in their perspective and their practice. So the question that would arise out of that is, what is therefore our perspective in order for us to understand what our practice is? Isn't it true that many a times all of our practice depends on our, louder, on our perspectives? So that's something else that we could ask ourselves as we study 1 Corinthians. What is our perspective as an assembly? What is my perspective as a born-again believer? What is my perspective as a husband, as a father, as a leader in the church, as a servant, as a full-time evangelist, and you in your secular work, in your studies? What is our perspective? Therefore, as a result of my perspective, these are my practices. And we need to be united in our perspectives in order for our practices to be pleasing unto the Lord. And these are the, some of the things that we studied from chapters 1 to chapter 6 and that is what I want to look at. So can I give you six perspectives from each chapter that we learned in the book of 1 Corinthians as we enter 2018? Things that we had already studied that we will look back and things that I want us to ask ourselves as to see if these perspectives are there in our life. Number one, listen very carefully to me. Number one, we shall boast, but we shall boast in the Lord alone. Let that be our perspective. If the coming of the Lord tarries and if, if all of us were to enter 2018, I would like for all of us as an assembly to have the perspective that we will boast every single day. But if we boast, we will boast in the Lord alone. Quickly look at chapter 1 and verse 31. We had already studied this. Chapter 1 and verse 31. There it says, Therefore, as it is written, Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Can I ask all of us an important question? Yes, 2017 has been a tough year for some of us. It's been really, really, really difficult for us. But were there good things that has happened to us? Yes or no? Loudly, loudly. 
Yes, there are so many good things that has happened to us. Was it because of anything that you and I have done? What, but was it because of God? And if we can boast that it is only because of what God has done for us in our Christian life, that we could ever be happy, that we could ever rejoice, that we could enjoy any goodness in our life, whether it is in our studies, in our work, in our marriage, all that we enjoy is only because of God. And therefore, let us continue that perspective that we will continue to boast, but we will boast in the Lord alone. But if you were to boast, we need to ask ourselves, we need to be very careful, why should I boast? And what is it that we study from chapter 1? Why should we boast? Look at chapter 1 and verse 2. It says to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, not individually, but together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is because of the fact that you and I are sanctified. You and I have been forgiven of our sins. Not only that, we have been made holy, set apart from sin in itself, more than anybody else in this world. But you look at that. Set apart, but placed together. That's what it says there, right, in your scriptures. We have been sanctified, holy, set apart, but placed together. And then you look at the end of verse 2, there, there's this beautiful phrase that appears. All that we do, our sanctification, our holiness, our coming together, is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We gather in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Our praise, our glory, our adoration goes to God alone and therefore we boast in God alone. We need to boast because of the fact that our sanctification, being set apart and being put together, is because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And how is this possible? Look at verse 18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. And Apostle Paul again reminds us in the book of Romans itself, you know, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is, it is the power of God. And at any point of time, if there is any of my friends sitting here and you are wondering how tough your year has been and what is ahead of you, if you are worried about all that is to come, take a moment and look at the cross. And remind yourself of the power that comes to you from the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We heard that over and over again through our brothers who exhorted us. About how the cross is a symbol of foolishness to those who are perishing. But for you and for me, saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the power of God. All that you and I do, all that you and I proclaim, we do simply because of the message of the cross that comes to us. And therefore... I will boast. I will be happy. I will rejoice because of the power that comes from the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, you look at verse 27 of chapter 1. There it says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I will boast because irrespective of the fact that I am a weak person, that I falter many a times, that I have shortcomings, that I might fall into sin, God will not reject me because He is God and not man. And He does not judge me by man's standards. And therefore He has chosen us who are the weak of this world to give that important message to those who think that they are wise and they are strong. 
Can I ask all of us, do we actually deserve this privilege? Yes or no? No, we don't. Is there anything in us that would allow God to love us? No. Don't we many a times fall? Yes. Don't we sometimes wonder, when will all this stop? It's true. Don't you and I struggle every week? Yes, we do. But God has chosen us, who is the weak, to give an important message to this world, that those who think that they are wise, those who think that they are rich, those who think that they are strong, nothing matters. And therefore I will boast. Apostle Paul also reminds us in his epistle where he says, you know, yet when I am weak, that is when I feel that I am actually, I am strong. I am strong. And then he goes on to say the same thing that we studied in chapter 1. He says, therefore I will boast in the Lord. I will boast in the Lord in spite of my weaknesses. Again, not because of anything that is there within me, but simply because of what Christ has done for me. Because when you look at me and when you say, I have a failure, when the world looks at me and says, I cannot climb up, when everybody else seems to be progressing, and I'm still in the same place, it's okay. In the sight of a holy God, I am much more valuable than anything else that is there in the face of this world. And isn't that matter enough for me to boast every single day of my life? Yes or no? Yes, it is. And therefore, I will boast but I will boast in the Lord alone. I will boast in the Lord alone. Can I encourage us that if the coming of the Lord tarries and in 2018 that all of us would get into this habit of boasting, that we would boast, that we would make bold claims, but we would not boast in ourselves. And if there's anything that we can boast about, that we would only boast in the Lord alone. If we have progressed in our spiritual life, that is because of the Lord. If there are struggles that I need to overcome, that is because of the Lord, Lord, that I know that I can overcome those things. I will make my boast in Christ alone every single day of my life. We will boast, but we will boast in the Lord alone. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And the second perspective that I want us to have is that we will desire to have the mind of Christ that the mind of Christ will dwell in us. We will desire to have the mind of Christ and that the mind of Christ will dwell in us. Look at chapter 2 and verse 16. The last part says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So therefore, my brothers and sisters, can I encourage each of us to adopt this into our life? In the coming year, let us say, Lord, not only will I boast because of you, but my desire as a born-again believer, my perspective for the coming year is that I would have the mind of Christ in me. I would have the, the, the mind of Christ in me. And I hope you remember, in this chapter, we studied about the spiritual man. And in chapter 3, we studied about the worldly Christian. The spiritual man and the worldly Christian, they both are there in the church of God. That's the reason why there are quarrels. Because when the spiritual man has his objective, there's the worldly man that says, no, this is what we need to do. So we asked ourselves that important question, are we spiritual or are we worldly? Do we run behind the things of the Lord or do we run behind the things of this world? Look at chapter 2 verse 10 onwards, it talks about the attribute of the spiritual man. What is it that the spiritual man does? What is it that he thinks of? What is it that he desires in his heart? What is the thing that he longs for? Look at chapter 10 and the second part. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep 
things of God. This is a spiritual man. This is a spiritual woman. How can you have the mind of Christ? It says there very clearly, search the deep things of God. Now I hope you remember what we studied here. The deep things of God is not a reference to the Bible. The deep things of God does not mean you go into the Bible and find out what's the meaning there. No, the deep things of God is a reference to the character of God. The spiritual man searches the deep things, the character of God. Remember I spoke to you about perspective and practice? If that is my perspective, if I search the character of God and I understand that this is the character of God, I learn to adopt and practice that in my Christian spiritual life. I find out what is the character of God and I apply that in my Christian life when I behave in the assembly of God. Let me give you an example. Listen to me carefully. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. You can say this verse because you know it. Let's all say it together. Beloved, let us love one another louder for love is of God and everyone that loves has been born of God and he knows God. Next verse. He that loveth not, he does not know God because... God is love. That's the meaning of the verse. I know the character of God is love. I search the scriptures to understand the character of God. And once I understand that the character of God is love, I adopt that in my Christian life. I apply that in my Christian life and I'm able to love everyone in my assembly. Now one, uh, now love is just one attribute of God. True? There are so many attributes of God that we see throughout scriptures and our responsibility or perspective is to read the word, see his character and see if that same character is there in me. That is the meaning of what Paul stresses in chapter 2 to have the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. To know the character of God that if he is love, I will be a loving Christian. That if he is patient, I will learn to be patient. That he cannot tolerate sin. That as a born again believer, I too will not tolerate sin. And the spiritual man we read in verse 10, he searches the deep things of God. He is more concerned about what God thinks. He is more concerned about the heart of the Lord. We have been studying uh, the book of Philippians. George is taking us to the book of Philippians. And in chapter 2, we are reminded of that. It says, right, in chapter 2, verse 5 onwards, there it says, let the mind of Christ also be in, in each and every one of us. And you look at the attributes that are mentioned there, those are the attributes that was there in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is there in God. He never considered himself to be better, but he thought of others. And he went so much so to the cross to die for their sins. And therefore it says, let the same mind that was in Christ also be in, in you. Let us all desire that we will have the mind of Christ and that the mind of Christ will dwell in us. And let me just add one more statement to say that it is the scriptures that allows us to understand the character of God and you and I can never understand the character of God if we are not willing to spend time with his holy word. You understand what I'm saying? If you and I don't have a habit of spending time with God's word, it will be difficult for us to understand the character of God. And probably that is something practical that you and I could do in the coming year, if the coming of the Lord tarries, that if you and I don't have a habit, if we don't possess a habit of reading the scriptures every single day, that we would make that into a habit to read the scriptures firstly, so that we see the character of God, 
and then we apply those characters in our life and that's how slowly and slowly but surely we reach that aim of having the mind that was in the lord jesus christ being applied into our spiritual lives as well and that is what would distinguish between a spiritual man and a and a, and a worldly man a spiritual woman and a worldly woman a spiritual born again believer and a worldly christian let the mind of christ dwell richly in each and every one of us let's look at chapter 3 and in chapter 3 one important perspective that we learned is that we are the temple of god we are the temple of god look at what it says in verse 16 don't you know that you yourselves are god's temple and that god's spirit lives in you we are all the temple of the living god my dear brothers and sisters we are all the temple in which the spirit of god resides i hope you remember we studied in the gospel of john you know the temple is the meeting place between god and man irrespective of what background we come from irrespective of any religious belief that everyone in this world will have everybody knows that the temple or the holy place is the meeting place between god and man that's the reason why sometimes you see when people pass by a holy church a temple they pause they stop and they bow down in reverence to that place because they know in order for them to meet god they need to come there that's the reason why in the gospel of john jesus christ said destroy this temple and i will raise it up in how many days three days the next verse he was talking about his body and how jesus becomes the temple in the sense that no longer do you have to go to a holy place to meet god the only place to meet god is through the lord jesus christ am i making sense the only place how you can meet god the only way how you can meet god is through the lord jesus christ himself and when you and i place our trust on the lord jesus christ the scriptures teaches over and over again through the lord jesus you and i become the temple of the living god and it says that the spirit of god resides in him you know throughout the new testament the work of the spirit is to convict anybody of sin and if the spirit of the lord is living in us and if there is sin in our lives there will be a lot of tension and the reason i am stating this is that i want each of us to observe our holy temples and to see if the spirit of the lord is at work what i mean to say by that is that if the conviction of sin is there that means you and i are struggling and that is a sign that you and i are in the faith of the lord jesus christ i want to be very careful to also add and say that if the conviction of sin is not there and that is a sign of the fact that you are very cold inside and then you need to be very very careful of your relationship with the lord jesus christ In chapter 3 we also spoke about the expert builder I hope you remember in in verses 12 onwards the expert builder and the destructive builder and all of us who are the temple of the living god we are busy building our lives and all that we do we do for the lord jesus christ we do it because of a result of our faith in the lord jesus christ why do we build our lives why do we do anything for the lord because chapter 3 talks about a judgment seat of the lord jesus christ you and i will stand at the judgment seat of the lord and all of our works will be displayed before him We spoke about good motives and bad motives. 
Our good motives are like gold, silver, precious stones. Our bad motives are like wood, hay and straw. And all of these things one day will be put through the fire. And the wood, the hay, the straw will be burned. And only the gold, the silver, the precious stones will remain. Which talks about our good motives. And all that we have done for the Lord with a good motive. Only for that you and I will receive the reward. Everything else will be burned away. So I can stand here as long as I want. And I can say all that I want. But ultimately at the end of the day the Lord is looking at my motive. Of why I am saying these things. You and I can come to church every week. You and I can be involved in a lot of ministries. You and I can do a lot of stuff. But ultimately my brothers and sisters. I can fool you. You can fool me. But we cannot fool God himself. And one day the Lord will reveal it. If you look at chapter 4 and verse 5 there it says. Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. Because he will bring to light what is hidden in in darkness. And it will reveal the motives of the heart of man. What kind of temple are we building? Are we very careful with the temple that we build? That is our bodies that God looks at. And God is very, very, very much concerned as to how you and I live our spiritual Christian lives. Let us also remind ourselves that probably if the Lord comes today or tomorrow, you and I will stand in the presence of our Lord and you and I will give an account of all that you and I have done. And the Lord will open the, book of, book of, the books of the accounts and he will ask us, what have you done for me as a result of what I have done for you on the cross? And what would our answer be? There's a story that I always share. It's a story that I love to talk about, about these three people that were on their, on their camels. They were walking and crossing across the desert. And as they were crossing across the desert, they heard a voice and the voice commanded and said, Stop! Get down from your camel! And these three people were surprised in the middle of a desert. They're hearing a voice. But they chose to obey even though they didn't know where the voice was from. So they stopped and they got down from their camel. And then the voice continued to say and said, Look on the ground and you see the stones that are there. Pick those stones and put them into your pocket. Where is this going? But they still chose to obey and they picked the stones and they put it into their pocket. And then the voice continued to say and said, If you don't look at these stones until the next day, you will be both glad and sad. You will be both glad and sad. They didn't understand what is the meaning of this. So they chose to obey and they slept. Somehow they slept in the night. They woke up in the morning. They eagerly put their hand into their pocket. Then when they took out those stones, they found out that those stones had turned into rubies and diamonds and precious stones. And at that moment, they understood the promise that they would be both glad and sad. They were so glad that these stones had turned into precious diamonds. But they were very sad that they had not picked some more they had not picked some more and when you and I stand in the presence of the Lord and when the Lord says Jobin and when he says Pradeep and when he says blessing and when he calls us forward and when he gives us the reward for what we've done probably at that time we would be surprised and say I never knew I did this never at that moment should that thought pass through our mind saying man I wish I could have done some more this is the time for you and for me right this is the time that you and I have. And as the temple of the living God, 
you and i every single day as an expert builder we need to be very careful of our motives our attitude that arrogance and pride should not reside within me as a born again believer but humbleness humility and grace should be there in all that i do in church as a result of which when i stand in the presence of the lord as we always hear through the gospels the lord will look at my life and he will call me my good and my faithful servant you who have been faithful in a few come and become faithful in a lot more take charge over a lot more in the presence of the lord we are the temple of the living god and the holy spirit resides in us let that be a perspective so that it changes our practice let's turn to chapter 4 and in order to understand chapter 4 we need to read one verse which is verse 16 look at what apostle paul says in chapter 4 and verse 16 there he says therefore i urge you to imitate me therefore i urge you imitate me that's what we studied in this chapter apostle paul says the perspective of every born again believer is the imitation But let me just take it one step ahead, okay? If you, if you, all of us could just turn to chapter eleven, verse one, First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse one. There he says, "Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ." Turn to Ephesians chapter five and verse one. Ephesians chapter five and verse one. There he says, "Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children." be imitators of god therefore as dearly loved children so you come back to chapter 4 verse 16 apostle paul says imitate me because when you imitate me understand that i imitate the lord jesus christ we saw that throughout the bible and could that be the perspective as we go on to this year do we imitate the lord jesus christ do we imitate the lord jesus christ in our christian life How should we imitate the Lord Jesus Christ? Look at the same chapter, verse one, chapter four and verse one. It says, "So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ. Men, when they look at us, should consider us to be servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God." that we imitate that attitude of christ where we in the church in the assembly in our work in our studies in our college we at all points of time show that attribute of servanthood that men ought to look at us and even though you might be a leader in church even though i might teach sunday school in all that i do in church i will always show that i am a servant of the lord jesus christ that attitude of servanthood would come out of me that i would not wait for someone to tell me what needs to be done that i would see and understand the need of the church and therefore supply the need and that is who a servant is and that is what we had studied in chapter 4 having the attitude of a servant you look at the same chapter verse 9 not only are we supposed to be considered as servants verse 9 for it seems to me that god has put us apostles on display at end not only are we called to be as servants but we are called to be apostles not like how the 12 apostles were but with the idea that god chose the 12 with that particular task of going into the world and that same task falls on you and for me and we are as apostles sent into this world with only one important message and that is the message of the gospel so if you read verse 9 carefully there it says we have been put like stands on a procession and that procession leads only to death 
that sometimes when you and i walk on the gospel road and when we share the gospel probably you and i would have to face death probably you and i would have to face time in jail and probably you and i would have to invite our friends for a gospel meeting and they would have to see how you and i behave in in the church because i know when i call my friends here i cannot behave with them the way i behave with them at work or at college or in ministry they will see another side of me right some of you are smiling and i know you understand what i'm trying to say i am an apostle of the gospel of the lord jesus christ and i need to show that through my entire life let me just tie it down in verse 16 chapter 4 and verse 16 there it says therefore i urge you to imitate me for this reason i am sending to you timothy my son whom i love who is faithful in the lord he will remind you of my way of life in christ jesus and that's the crux of this chapter this imitation that we talk of this servanthood that we just spoke of this apostleship that we spoke of all ties down to this verse my way of life in christ jesus and he continues to say which agrees with what i teach everywhere in every church because there is no other way that i know of there is only one way of life in the lord jesus christ that is actually what our way of life should actually be our way of life in the lord jesus christ do we imitate the lord jesus christ could that be our perspective and therefore the practice that comes out of us life is would be servanthood apostleship taking on death in itself and not being worried about the consequences of death because i know that if my life on this world will go i will be in the presence of the holy lord can i encourage all of us to have that attitude to imitate the lord jesus christ chapter 5 and in chapter 5 we studied about getting rid of the old east you know whenever we have a sermon we cannot get through the sermon without talking about sin right because that is so common and so evident in your life and in my life getting rid of the old east we looked at verse 7 look at chapter 5 and verse 7 it says get rid of the old east that you may be a new batch without east as you really are for christ our passover lamb has been sacrificed getting rid of the old east and now chapter 5 he specifically talks about the sin of immorality he's not talking about immorality because that is the thought that came in his mind but he talks about immorality because that was being practiced within the church and he says and result to immorality that is there amongst you get rid of the old east but i don't want to i don't want to just talk about east and i just don't want to talk about immorality i want to talk about sin in itself you know the word east that is mentioned in verse 5 i know many a times in the old testament it talks about sin whenever you see whenever you see east that is mentioned it is always a representative of sin but i believe that east is also a representative of a unrepentant heart because that was exactly what this man had when he was in the church living with his stepmom because he thought that it was okay for him to come every sunday with his stepmom they're living in an illicit relationship and he thought that it was completely okay because he had an unrepentant heart 
So I don't want to elaborate on immorality, but I want to talk about sin as a whole, and I want to ask you and me that if we are unrepentive when it comes to sin, because that's where the danger lies. That when the scripture points sin in my life, that when my brother points sin in my life, that when the sister points in, that when sin is evident in my life through the work of the Holy Spirit, am I repentive of it? Or am I stone-hearted? And I think that that is not meant for me. You look at chapter 5 and verse 1, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you. And what kind of immorality? The immorality that is not seen? Outside. Done by the pagans. That's why he goes on to say in verse 9 also, I have written in my letter that you should not associate with people who are living sinful lives in the presence of God. But is that our perspective, my brothers and sisters? Is that are we, are we willing to get rid of the old East? Probably there's a lot of baggage that you and I need to work with, right? As we come to the end of the year. Probably there's a lot of things that you and I need to resolve within ourselves. Maybe, maybe sins that nobody is aware of. Maybe sins that I struggle with. Because all of these things are a sign of an unrepentive heart. Can you and I make that decision? Whatever it may be, no matter how big the yeast may be in my life, that I would get rid of it. That I would get rid of the old yeast and I will place Christ in my life. As it says in verse 7, the last part, because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Now we'll move to chapter 6. And in chapter 6 we spoke about lawsuits among brothers and sisters. In the sense that we studied as to that there were issues that brothers had with each other and they did not know how to resolve these issues with each other and rather they started to sue the people that was in the church and they started to take these cases to the courts. And we spoke about how sensitive are we when it comes to resolving our issues with one another. How sensitive are we in resolving our issues with one another? Do we take the time and the effort to sit down and talk and resolve our issues with one another? Or do we harbor bitterness within our heart? Do we allow it to grow within us? Does it become like a cancer that would destroy relationships that are there within churches? And that is very much happening in a lot of places. How do we resolve the issues that are there with each other? Or can we make that our perspective that if I have any issues with somebody that I would sit down and talk to them. I would tell them what is it that is bothering me. That I would listen if somebody comes and tells me that they have an issue with me. That this is what I do that bothers them. And that as a result of which you and I can stand in the presence of God and when we worship, nothing would hinder our worship from reaching His presence. Why should you and I resolve our issues? Look at 6 and verse 2. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Verse 3, why should we not, why should we not have issues? Why should we resolve them? Verse 3, do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? One day when you and I stand in the presence of our Lord, one day all the unbelievers will be there 
and we will judge them in what sense not that we will sentence them but by looking into our lives they will understand that we have salvation that i accepted the lord jesus christ that when the gospel message came to me i opened and i listened and i received the lord jesus they haven't done that and as a result of which they will be banished into the presence of the lord because they rejected the gospel how would we judge the angels they rebelled against god but we who also once rebelled against god have asked for the forgiveness and we are part of the family of god today rejection and rebellion and we will stand as witnesses for that that then if we are going to do that on that point of day then what about issues that are there between us are we humble enough to resolve issues that are there are we humble enough to open up and listen to others talking about their issues with me am i am i humble enough to listen when somebody brings out a fault in my life am i am i willing to listen to them and the reason why paul talks about our past sin and the reason why paul talks about the fact that this is who we once were that we also once lived in darkness by rejecting that we also once lived in rebellion against god you look at what it says in verse 11 chapter 6 there it says and this is what some of you were let me ask all of us how many of you fell into that category once upon a time raise your hand into the old category before raise your hand this is who some of us were but when what does he goes go on to say but he says but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the lord jesus christ and the spirit of our god we just spoke about that a while back but today we no longer live in that my brothers and sisters today we are washed sanctified justified in the name of our lord jesus christ and therefore we need to be very careful as to how we live our christian life so therefore what is our perspective my brothers and sisters and what have we studied in first corinthians so far we studied in chapter 1 that we will boast but if we boast we will boast only in the in the lord in chapter 2 we studied that the mind of christ will be within us so we desire to have the mind of the lord jesus to dwell within us and the mind of christ means to search the deep things of god the deep things of god which talks about his character chapter 3 we study that we are the temple of the living god and the spirit of god lives within us and we need to be very careful we need to be expert builders and not destructive builders because one day you and i will give an account of how we lived our lives in chapter 4 we study that we have to imitate christ just as how apostle paul imitated him and imitating christ with the attitude of servanthood and being an apostle even unto death because that is the way of life in christ jesus is what apostle paul taught to us in chapter 4 chapter 5 let us learn to get rid of the old east because the passover lamb christ has been sacrificed once and for all and not only immorality but sin in any form will not be present in my christian life and if it is present that i will make that effort to get rid of it completely verse 6 we will learn to resolve our issues why because one day you and i will judge the unbelievers one day you and i will stand as a testimony against the angels they will have nothing to say or they should not have anything to say when they look into my christian life as a born again believer and therefore if we are in such high place 
What about these petty issues that you and I fight for on the face of this world? What then are our perspectives that would indeed lead, indeed allow us to have godly practices? Let me just read one verse to you, chapter 6 and verse 20. There it says, You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You were bought with a price. And therefore, honor God with your body. Can I ask all of you to turn your attention to this table one minute? I know that just a while back that this all some of us participated of this table. But I just want to talk about the gospel message that this table talks about. The Bible starts the story about how God had created man in his own image and his own likeness. And because of sin, the relationship between that man and God was completely destroyed. And we who were born from that man were born in, as sinners into this world. The Bible very clearly teaches in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only benefit of being born a sinner was eternal damnation. We are sinners not because of what we do. We are sinners simply because that is how we are born. And all people who are born in sin and are living in sin and will one day die in their sin will for eternally be banished from the presence of our Lord. And if that is the bad news, there is a good news. There is the best news and that is the news of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus came into this world in the form of a baby. The only baby born to die. And he died on the cross according to this verse, giving us his life by which he bought you and me with a price. And that price that he paid on the cross was his precious blood, his body broken for wretched sinners like us. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that anybody, anywhere, at any point of time can take a moment, look at that cross, realize that Jesus died for me and ask for the forgiveness of your sin and according to what the word of God says, you will be saved. And if you realize in the, in, in the light of what we looked at today, that if you realize that you are a sinner, can I encourage you to take a minute and to look at the cross? And if you realize that you are a sinner and that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, all you need to do wherever you are sitting is to open your heart and tell him, Lord Jesus, I am sorry. Would you please forgive me? To those who call on the Lord, the scripture says to them, he has given them the privilege to be called his children. And some of us are, and I want to encourage all of you to think about it, that you would make the same decision that we have made once in our life. Brothers and sisters, we are going to quickly bid Goodbye to 2017. Maybe we might enter into 2018. Or maybe the Lord will come before that. But whether the Lord is going to come or he's going to tarry or we're going to enter a new year. Can I ask all of us, what is our perspective? Can I ask ourselves, what is our eternal perspective? And while you live on this world and while you work and while you study and while we are in ministry, while you do a lot of things in this world, are you aware of the fact that one day you and I are not meant to be here, but we are meant to be in the presence of our Lord? Therefore, all that we do, we do with the perspective that we spend a momentary time here, but a, a, a time of, a, of permanent time in the presence of our Lord. And let that be our perspective as we draw close to the new year. Can I ask everybody to just close your eyes and bow your head? The only reason I'm asking you to close your eyes is so that you will not be distracted by anything else, but yet you would think about your own 
Christian life right now. Probably you've been coming here for a while or probably you're here for the very first time. But can I encourage you for the next few minutes to really de- think deep about what we just spoke right now. Could you just take a moment and look into your life? Because I, I don't know what you're going through. And you don't know what I'm going through. And I don't know what baggage you might be holding right now, what struggles you might be going through. But the message is very clear and it is very simple. Can you look into your life, my brother, my sister? If you have been a born-again believer and you've been coming to this church, but you've had a lot of struggles, a lot of ups and a lot of downs, a lot of tough times, can I ask you to change your perspective? Out of all the things that we've heard today, if there are areas in your life that you need to change, would you ask the Lord to make those changes in your life? Whatever it may be, however the Lord is speaking to you, would you open your heart and ask the Lord to come and work in your life? My dear friend who's here for the first time and you're hearing this message for the first time, can I ask you to examine your life? My question is very simple. Is that if you pass away from the world, where will you go tonight? I'm not talking about your home. I'm talking about an eternal place. And the Bible teaches that there is an eternal place of blessing and an eternal place of suffering. All those who are living in sin will go to eternal damnation. There is nothing that you can do to qualify you to become a sinner. That is how you were born. There is nothing that could qualify you to go to heaven except the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there is anybody sitting here, would you open your heart and would you ask the Lord Jesus to come and live inside? You can say along with me, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you will also one day be in heaven with us. If there is anybody here like that, we request you to take a few moments after the worship to come and meet up so that we can pray for you and help you through the scriptures. Shall we close in prayer? Our gracious Lord, our loving Heavenly Father, we are grateful, thankful that you've given us this opportunity to hear from thy word. Thank you, Lord, for all the lessons that you have taught us from the book of 1 Corinthians. Thank you for the great man that you have enabled him to write this beautiful letter. And Father, we pray in the coming days, in the coming year, that we will boast but our boasting will be in the Lord alone. Lord, enable us not to boast on our weak, uh, in, in, in our shortcomings or our sins, but to understand that when we are weak, we are completely strong. Father, we desire to have the mind of Christ to dwell within us. And we pray, Lord, that we would always search your deep character from the scripture and apply it in our lives, Father. We pray that we, as the temple of the living God, would be so careful as to how we live, how we build our lives, knowing very well that we will one day stand and give an account of all that we have done. Father, teach us to imitate you. Teach us to imitate Paul who imitated you, Lord. Enable us to be humble servants, apostles with the gospel to go out and share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach us, Lord, to get rid of the old East. No matter what is it that is holding us down, holding us back, enable us to get rid of it completely because the Passover lamp has been sacrificed. Father, we pray that we would resolve our issues with one another, that we would not not be so be bitter and angry with our brothers and sisters, but enable us to be open for others to come and tell us our faults, Father. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that we would not only be hearers of the word and so fool ourselves, we will do what the word of God says. And Lord, we pray that our friends here who have never heard this message before would receive you just as we've received you. We thank you, we praise you, we glorify your precious name. Father, if you are to come today, what a joy it would be for us to be reunited with you in your presence, 
because we will see you face to face but if you to tarry for one more day one more week maybe a month we ask that you would allow us to live in the light of what we've heard today thank you father in your precious name we ask and we pray